the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North, on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 or via podcast anytime. Now, let's get into it with your host, Dirk Hobbs. Good Saturday morning. It is March 18th, 2023. Good morning, Southern Colorado. I am so excited to be here in the studio with you on another gorgeous Southern Colorado day. See, I don't care if it snows. I don't care if it's windy. I don't care if it's sunny. I just love living here. It is an awesome place to hang out. So it's another gorgeous day in paradise, folks. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. And it it must be time for number four uh, of our conversation we are having uh, with mayoral candidates who are running for the big office in El Paso County. And uh, so far, we've had some great conversations, and uh, today is no exception. We have another great guest in the studio. Mr. Daryl Glenn is with us. We'll get to him in just a minute. But I want to pass out a few thanks real quick here. Uh, Ramos Law, thank you very much for helping underwrite this program. Uh, It allows us to have these uh, local conversations uh, with local business leaders, local executives, and movers and shakers who are trying to improve our way of life here in Southern Colorado. And um, it, it's it's just a privilege uh, to hang out with everybody who's putting their name on the line and uh, putting their beliefs on the line and, and having the real tough discussions about what it's going to look like uh, to take Colorado Springs from 2023 to 2027. So uh, excited to have these opportunities. And um, I want to direct your attention to the series that we did in True North uh, or in North, the magazine that accompanies this radio show. Uh, it's the um, February-March edition, and we, we basically picked the, the, the six and se- or seven contenders uh, who are really having a, a material discussion around uh, what's happening in Southern Colorado and specifically Colorado Springs. Now that Mayor Souther's term is wrapping up after eight years, uh, it's time for new blood, new leadership, and uh, you know we've got some new challenges ahead of us. So I wanted to, first of all, introduce each one of them. Just just get the names on the radar. That was step one. Step two here on True North is really to unpack some of what they wrote in their articles, in their biographies, and in their perspective on what's going on um, as far as how they see leadership uh, evolving <clears throat> in their first term as mayor. So, uh, Mr. Glenn, welcome to the studio Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Uh, we have an extraordinary gentleman in front of us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Chief Legal Officer at TESA. Uh, got, he's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and uh, lent considerable service. Then he went on uh, to get his MBA uh, from Western New England College and then his JD from New England School of Law. So you're also an attorney. Yes. Okay. Don't hold that against me. I'm not going to. I. It's all good. And uh, you're retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. Yes. 21 years. 
Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Sincerely. Uh, We appreciate that. Uh, Well, let's get to know you a little bit because you've been in the public eye for quite a bit. So let's start with Daryl Glenn, the younger version. Okay, the younger guy. Yeah. And then bring us bring us up to speed. Well, you know what? My parents uh, moved here uh, when I was young. I mean, I was about two and a half when I got here. So from preschool all the way through the Air Force Academy, this is home. And uh, I was born into the military family. Service was always something that was extremely important. You know, my dad was in the Air Force. My mom was in the Army. You know, we always joke with regard to, you know, it's if West Point was here, I probably would have went. I have more of the Army mentality. You know, my mom still gives me a hard time because she made (laughs) lieutenant colonel before I did, you know, in the reserve. So, yeah, I know. So she still signs cards to me, Lieutenant Colonel Juanita Phillips. So I just just let you know. So All right, Ms. Glenn. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But uh, when you think about I started off in my political – I love civics. Yeah. You know, I was a a Reagan baby and I was just fascinated with what was going on in the world. And I remember coming home in eighth grade, telling my mom that I wanted to run for class president in ninth grade. And I always tell people this, that could have started and ended my career right there. That, (laughs) that decision point. Yep. But she encouraged me to do it. And I won that election, by the way. Okay. And I think that ever since then, I just have fell in love with wanting to serve. Okay. You know, I'm tired of people that just want to complain. And I was throughout high school and everything, no matter what was going on, you have a bunch of people that would sit around and complain about things. But Mm -hmm. at some point in time, you got to step up, raise your hand and be like, I want to do something about it. Okay. So I've always wanted to be involved, was always involved, you know, with my community and family from playing football, you name it. It's just you got to get out there and do it. And Colorado Springs is my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember. I tell people you go back seventies and eighties. One of the things that I highlight was I used to be able to walk out of the house, mm-hmm. jump on the bus, and go to the Citadel Mall. Okay, and nobody cared. You know, you could hang out there all the time. Sure, Written, wouldn't recommend doing that now. Not today. It's a little bit unsafe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about how many people would want their kid to one get on the bus by themselves and then go to the Citadel that type yeah, of area. Not happening. But things have changed. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the main reasons why I'm in this race because I want people to remember the what was so great. There was something special about Colorado Springs. My mm-hmm. wife and I talk about it all the time. We come in contact with people that say, "Look." I came to Colorado. Something brought me here. Yeah. There was something special. Something military people, Yeah, Military people start and end their career here. You know, families start their their families here. And it's something special. But we've kind of lost that luster. Yeah. And, you know, and that's something I think that we need to address. People are extremely concerned about our crime and that we're growing at a rate that's not sustainable. And mm-hmm. I just can't sit back and watch it. Yeah. You know, God placed way too many people in my life that helped me get to this point, And I feel like I need to return the favor. Yep. And you are a spiritual man. I appreciate that about you. Come right out and in the article and say, hey, here are my leadership tenants. Here are my crisis tenants. Be bold, decisive, transparent, and trust in God. Absolutely. So that has to come a little bit from mom and dad. I think it started there, yes? It, it started there, but I can tell you, you know, that, you know, our family kind of walked away from faith. Okay. Well, you know, Fair our family yeah. had some problems yeah. and it broke down. And the absence of faith, I think, led to some of our problems. And I had to really get plugged in back in 2013. I was bat- water baptized in 2013 after, during the 
Black Forest Fire. No kidding. Uh, really. You, know, wow. you talk about something that brings you to your knees. Yeah. When people are leaning on you, you have to call on a higher power to make sure that you're centered yep. uh, and realize that you can't do it by yourself. So that's kind of your true north. I that mean, is absolutely. And I love the magazine color because that's what it's about. What's yep. your true north? That's right. Who do you serve? <laughs> that's right. And amen, brother. We serve him. That's right. So, uh, well, let's let's get to your your secular commitments um, on because uh, you, you served as city council, you served as county commissioner. So, quite a bit of service. Absolutely, you know, and it's one of these things that I believe that there are problems in this community, and I, if you have a, a vision, you have a plan on how you can fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, why not raise your hand and try to get in there and, and help people? So. Yep. I actually went to law school because I knew that I wanted to get involved in politics. I have this novel idea that maybe you should actually study the Constitution before you start <laughs> infringing upon people's rights. Yeah, you Instead know, of just mouthing off. <laughs> I think it's going yeah. away by the dodo bird these days, but yeah, I actually, yeah. you know, I think you actually need that foundation. Okay. And you did constitutional law? Is, is it, was that your focus? It's a required class. Okay. You know, it would be interesting today, uh, you know, with because <laughs> of the lack of debate that's happening within the Constitution. Right. You know, uh, I'm more of a strict constructionist when it comes to our Constitution. And right on. there's this battle that's going on with this living, breathing Constitution. And you're seeing a clash that's being played out. And I think that that's a, that's a problem that we need to address. Absolutely. And now, now tell me about the commission job and the, and the city council job, because that obviously, you know, that wires people into not only how the city and county operate, but it, it's, you start to see all the ideologies coming to the table. And how, how do you filter through that? You know, one of the things I like to highlight, especially with the city council job, I was on city council during when you start thinking about the last great recession that Mm -hmm. we had. And and that's why I think it's extremely important to bring that skill set back, because it was a difficult time at that point in time because Mm -hmm. of some of the budgetary decisions that we had to make. Uh, We don't even know what's coming. I think what's coming is even worse. Okay. And one of the things that uh, I have seen is that we have actually grown into areas that are well beyond what core services are. We are trying to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we've learned and what we should do is we need to become leaner and more efficient. And that experience on city council having to make some difficult decisions on how to pare down government is something that I believe is something that's vital at this point in time. Very good. So leaner government. Uh, I think the listeners of this station in particular are probably digging that message. And that's really a theme throughout, you know, the, the, the whole stream of consciousness you have here mm-hmm. in the, in your North article. I mean, you really start with crime as kind of the anchor or say, uh, public safety is one of your anchors. And we'll get into that in the right. second quarter here. Um, but again, I, I want to better understand how that city council job and how that county commission job kind of, kind of set the stage for you stepping up right now. Um, as a potential mayor. Right. Well, you really have to spend time talking to people and finding out what the issues are. You also find out how decisions are made. Uh, There are special interest groups that have an agenda. Mm -hmm. And I think that you learn that. Most people, when they run for their first political office, whether it's school board or city council, whatever, really don't have an idea of how the process works. Uh, But there are special interest groups that know how the process works. You know, they actually put people in office. Right. And I think that understanding mm. what is your role, what's your vision, you have to stand for something. What are the needs of the community? You have to quickly learn how to balance those in office. And that's something that I had to do. Yep. And you have to take some tough positions. 
Was it uh, was it an easy transition from one job to the next? From uh, from city council to mm-hmm. county commission, and yeah. actually was okay. You know, again with uh, with city council, we had a weak mayor form of government before, Correct. so we had a city manager. Right. So we were all there. Uh, you know, when we start talking about some of the things that were concerned at the operational level, city council was a part of that. As a, you were a different role as a commissioner. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we need, you know, I can expand on a little bit later. Okay. Well, I definitely want to go there because I want to, I want to set the table for how you prepare to run our city. Uh, and it's very compelling. I, I must say, uh, we're sitting here talking to former city councilman and former County commissioner, Mr. Daryl Glenn. He is running for mayor this April 4th. Uh, you should have your ballots in your, uh, you should have gotten those on Monday or Tuesday earlier this week. And so look up and down the ballot, ladies and gentlemen. Don't just look at one and two and, and just look from top to bottom. Read about them. Listen carefully to what they're saying. Uh, cause there's lots, lots of substance in the discussion here and Colorado Springs is really at a critical juncture right now, so we need to pay attention to what's going on. You can learn more about Daryl at Daryl Glenn for the number four Colorado dot com. And if you want to give him a call and talk to him about something specific, give him a ring at 719-271-6690. And you can email him at Glenn campaign at MSN dot com. I'm Derek Hobbs. We're sitting here with Mr. Daryl Glenn, attorney over at Tessa, chief legal officer at Tessa. And we're going to get into some of the specific campaign issues uh, that he is running on. And uh, I want you to pay careful attention to what he's unpacking here in the next quarter. Back in a minute. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. And we're back. I'm Dirk Hobbs sitting here with Mr. Daryl Glenn. You're listening to True North on a gorgeous Saturday here in Southern Colorado. Appreciate you listening. Uh, we're diving into the topics that make uh, Mr. Glenn's campaign material. And uh, I want you to pay close attention to some of the things he's uh, un- going to unpack here in the next few segments. Um, you know, we were we were kind of laying the foundation earlier about, uh, you know, what, what wires a, a person um, to, to – raise their hand and say, Hey, I want to be mayor. I, I see the moving pieces. I know what's going on out there. I know where the special interest, how that apparatus moves and works. And, uh, I'm going to poke a hole in that Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm going to work for the people. And, uh, that's, uh, what a concept, right? Uh, I'm not going to work for myself. I'm going to work for the people. And, um, uh, you know, you served as county uh, county commissioner. You served as city councilman uh, 03 through 2011, Feb 2011. And then you went on to serve as commissioner from uh, January 11. Uh, so you went right out of the frying pan into the into the fire. Uh, but then you then you made a big run for for Senate. Um, uh, unsuccessful bid. But uh, what did that teach you about the world we live in, the political world we live in? 
And uh, how did you grow from that? Uh, you know, I, I loved that race. Yeah, I just, you right on, know, I man. got really had to lean into my faith and we almost won that thing. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah, that was close. you know, you get to see the inside of the belly of the beast. Okay. You get to see, you know, whether it doesn't matter what party you're in, you see the partisan politics that happen out in, uh, in DC. And I refuse to kiss the ring. Uh, if you go back and you look at the race, uh, Mitch McConnell decided to spend zero dollars uh, in Colorado, and we mm-hmm. still got within about five points to, of winning that yeah, race. It was a, it was a great we actually run. got more votes than President Trump <laughs> in that race, and we got out there. We worked. We traveled the state uh, three times around, and we really made the campaign about the people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the best lesson from that was. Don't allow Washington, D.C. to dictate your race. I mean, D.C. is broken. If there's one thing that I would love to do is open up the barn door and hose everything out, fire everybody and start over. (laughs) That's a place that absolutely needs term limits. Those are people that are there and they feel like we work for them and that needs to change. And so when you think about what's going on there. Uh, it really allowed me to go through that. You grow through that. Actually, met my wife on that campaign, so mm-hmm. that's the best part of it. There you go. But you go back and you see how important it is to fortify your local community, and then you see we sit here and we we're mystified. We're thirty-one trillion dollars in debt. And then when you come down here and you look at it from the local level, all you see are people hat in hand begging for more federal dollars. Yeah. They're candidates on this campaign. They're just sitting here. Well, we got to get our fair share. Well, that's why we're thirty one trillion dollars in debt, because we're not actually cutting that off. We're not actually investing in our core services here. We're too busy out there. We're overtaxed. We're overregulated. And when you're looking at what happened from a covid standpoint, covid changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it changed everybody's life. It's a way of waking people up because that was an exercise in how government can find its way into every nook and cranny of your life. Where where did we start letting it go, Daryl? Um, you know, back during the Reagan years, you said you're a Reagan baby. I, I'm, you know, we're the same uh, vintage here, basically. But um, there, there was a, an element of, you know, you get up in the morning, you make a contribution – and you pay your taxes and you go home, right? You raise your family, you pay attention to what's important. But all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, over the last 45 years, I mean, it's just been a steady erosion of those fundamentals. I mean, can you point to a moment in time where you you saw that seismic shift and you said, you know what, I, I got to put an end to this? Well, it's been a gradual creep. I mean, I think that both parties like to point fingers at each other and say, mm-hmm. it was your fault. No, it's your yeah, fault. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, there's bl- enough blame on both sides. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we've lost sight of the true role of limited government. And we've asked government to be our caretaker. We've asked government to be our best friend. And that's been the problem. And we've we've not taken responsibility of looking at what is it that we can do And when you're looking at all the benefits that are coming down, we're destroying the American work ethic. Mm -hmm. And it's actually there's more incentives for people to not work. And that's where that's kind of the foundation issue that we need to actually start weaning people off of. Because there, when you think about COVID, what COVID has done, you literally shut down uh, the nation Mm -hmm. and, and people lost everything in a moment's notice. And then they realize, oh, now. We've got to be able to compensate people and, and now pay them back because we shut everything down. Well, now you've provided so many incentives that people now are like, well, wait a minute. 
I don't really have to work as hard to be able to. And, and, and in fact, I'm actually making more money not working. Why should I go back to work? Of course. There's dignity in work, and we have lost sight of that. And that's something that I want to make sure that we emphasize. And then the government is getting into areas where they're actually competing in the private sector. In the private sector. And that's a huge problem. That's a very big problem. Well, look, this is about you. You and I can go down this philosophical (laughs) rabbit hole. And it's really worthwhile. But uh, I I do want people to hear kind of your philosophical doctrine on managing this city from a leadership perspective, coordinating and cooperating with city council. Uh, We've got some serious issues, as you kind of alluded to earlier. I mean, we've got a crime, uh, a public safety issue um, that is on the rise. I mean, we're we're maturing as a community. We're expanding. Uh, Our our police force is kind of demoralized in many ways. Uh, A lot of the people that uh, are trying to protect us find themselves having to kind of get on their heels and be super careful about their judgment on on things that they should be more impulsive about uh, in terms of right and wrong. But let's start impacting the, the public safety discussion from your perspective. Well, and I like that you, you, you brought that up. And when you start thinking about it, it's, it's ironic where we start talking about true north. But my, <laughs> my true north, I want to make sure very clear on day one, our number one strategic priority is going to be to make Colorado Springs the safest city in the nation. Uh, because when we do that and when we set things up and we align the budget and align our strategic objectives to achieve that goal, a lot of the other quality of life issues are going to take care of themselves. All right. And so that is something that's near and dear to me, especially somebody that has lived here for over 50 years. This has been my home. And I spent six months walking around this community, actually talking to people. My wife, we talk, we actually, it's a novel thing. We actually talk to people and find out what are they concerned about? People are concerned about the growing crime, especially if you've lived here a long time. Mm-hmm. This was a very safe community. It and when you start yeah. thinking about the rise in homicide rates that, that were leading the nation in auto thefts, uh, you can't even park your car in your driveway without risk of having your catalytic converter stolen. Uh, you can see people that are panhandling uh, on the street underneath the sign that says it's unlawful to panhandle. Uh, we need to actually get in line and, and make sure that we are aligning our strategic objective to make us safe. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the police. Uh, let, let's talk a bit. Let's drill down into that, because, yeah. you know, as a black man, mm-hmm. I have some pretty strong opinions on what should happen in, in this community. And I'm not going to use that as an excuse because people expect me to use that as an excuse. It's not. You know, my parents actually raised me to not have a chip on my shoulder. And they taught me the proper way to interact with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. We're getting away from that. There is a personal responsibility on both sides. And there's a huge morale issue out there in the community. When you start talking about when you talk to the police officers, they don't feel like the community respects them. And then when you have interactions with people, people are more concerned about running away and not cooperating with the police. The only way we're going to fix this problem is to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold the law enforcement community accountable, but I'm also going to preach to the community that you need to be in the churches, in the schools, teaching your kids the right thing to do and the right way to interact with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And what is that from your perspective? Well, you know, I can tell you, I can, I remember a situation where, you know, people go, well, you know, you're not black enough. And I go, I absolutely know what, what it's like what? to be a black man in this community. Yeah. I remember being followed home. Yeah. There is nothing that is more of an imprint in your life. When I was stopped outside of my home and my mom was looking out the window and the look of fear of a mother yeah. having an interaction with law enforcement, 
But I remembered what she taught me and I've cooperated. And all it was, was I had a taillight out Mm -hmm. and the situation was handled properly. Right. Those situations are real. So I can bring a real perspective to this. Absolutely. And I want to address the recruitment issue Mm -hmm. um, because that's extremely important. My wife and I were literally, were just talking about this this morning. And when you start thinking about the barriers to entry, we keep saying that we have a recruitment issue. Well, one, if we deal with the morale issue, we're going to address that. But when you actually look at the fact that the requirements, especially from an educational standpoint, it's actually easier to join the military than it is our police force because of the higher education requirements with the college uh, classes that you have to take. Right. That, that's something that we absolutely have to eliminate. Mm-hmm. And I hope I, and I want to spend more time talking about that particular issue. Well, let's come back in Q3 with Mr. Daryl Glenn, who's unpacking some of the uh, uh, the components of a safer community. And uh, I do want to drill down into that. So we're going to spend some time there, uh, Mr. Glenn. So it's www.darylglenn, the number four, colorado.com. His phone number, 719-271-6690. Give him a call. Uh, talk about some of this stuff. Uh, if you're a police officer, give him a call and say, hey, you know, how do we take it to the next level? Uh, his email, glenncampaign at msn.com. I'm Dirk Hobbs. We're sitting here with Mr. Daryl Glenn, candidate for mayor, and we're back in just a moment. When I wake another day, first thing the news and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. All right. Good morning, Southern Colorado. You're listening to AM 1460 and 101.1 FM. The answer. I'm Dirk Hobbs, your host. This is True North. I'm sitting here with a very lovely gentleman, Mr. Daryl Glenn, who is running for mayor. And uh, he and a bunch of other folks are doing this, uh, but I appreciate all of them for putting their name in the ring. Uh, but if you pay close attention, folks, you're going to start to hear the sustenance come out in each of these conversations. Uh, I welcome you to uh, take a look at North Online. Uh, you can see it at coloradomediagroup.com. And uh, we have a whole section of the seven leading contenders for mayor. Uh, and they really unpack. You can kind of see their heart, their mind and their spirit and their soul in these articles and what they're going to do to take Colorado Springs through the next few years here. Uh, we're, we're growing up as a city, and we got real problems and uh, real challenges ahead of us, uh, not only on the national and regional front, but uh, as you said earlier, Daryl, it's, it's really all that stuff starts to trickle down in here, those policies and everything else. Uh, you know, It's almost like testing the fence for weaknesses <laughs> at the national level. And then that that has a ripple effect down into the community level. Uh, but we were talking about uh, public safety and how uh, you are prepared or preparing to uh, set the table with city council and uh, the local police and fire and everything else. Uh, basically, our whole public safety discussion um, and lead us through that conversation, because that for you in your uh, treatise here basically sets the stage for success in all other areas of our community. So let's continue on with the uh, public safety discussion. We were talking about the cops and, and kind of where you and your wife were talking um, just this morning uh, about uh, how they just, they just kind of feel shot inside, right? They're out there putting their life on the line, but you know, folks are really fighting against the, the rules. <laughs> but absolutely. You know, so there, there's a respect issue, but then there's a recruitment 
challenge. And so you're hearing a lot of people that are talking about, yeah, we do, we need to do more recruiting. Uh, well, you know, my wife uh, brought some information to my attention this morning. And we actually dug into it with regard to some of the barriers to entry mm-hmm. uh, with regard to joining the, the police force. And I think that that's something that we can actually fix because of the academic requirements with, you know, college education and, and those types of credits. When you start thinking about that, there are so many people right now that are out there working two, three jobs that are the hard work and that trade skills that have no desire to go into debt, yeah. no desire to go into college. We got to stop this narrative that you actually have to go to college to be successful. Right. But they care about this community. Yeah. And there's a barrier that's actually preventing them. That's dumb. We need to actually fix that. When you start thinking about our military people, we've got five military installations here. There are some barriers that are actually preventing people that are in the military right now because of those academic requirements that they can't transition over. Hmm. I'm sorry. Hmm. If you can save you, put your life on the line to defend our country, you can absolutely join our police force. Okay, these are things that we can absolutely fix. The other areas that I want to talk about just kind of rolling out and kind of finishing up my public safety area is when you start thinking about what Colorado has done to remove qualified immunity. That's absolutely demoralizing when you start talking about the police officers that are putting their lives on the line. And now there's a personal liability aspect that they're like, well, wait a minute, I'm going to lose everything just for doing my job. And I don't have a city administration that's backing me up. That's got to change. And then finally, you know, you have legislators that are creating, you know, creating these laws that are almost creating incentives for people to commit crimes. I'm going to look at our municipal code. I'm going to make sure that we uh, use it to the best extent possible to be able to hold people accountable to include jail time. Mm -hmm. But if you're a politician that's out there trying to water down the laws that preventing us from holding people accountable, I'm going to be your worst nightmare. I don't care what party you're in. You'd be the red party, blue party, green party. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that you're out of office because we need to do something. about So what is this? What is this thing about? you know, incentivizing crime. I mean, how did we even get here, Daryl? I think that when you're looking at, you know, there's a a longer discussion with, you know, there are people at the national level, global level that basically want to destabilize our society. I, I, I truly believe that, that it's basically saying, look, you know, the best way to control people is disrupt you know, their communities. Mm -hmm. And if you allow people to be able to not be held accountable, then that's kind of the instrument to be able to do that. So it's taking over positions in the the DA's office. It's taking over positions in local government uh, to be able to allow criminals to be able to get away without being held accountable. It is very orchestrated effort from a global level all the way down to our local community. You know, and that's gotten well beyond conspiracy theory. I mean, I think I think the informed, intelligent mind is seeing that unravel. I mean, you look at Gascon in California and some of these other DAs. I mean, it's just out of control. Uh, it's almost a, a pink slip to misbehave for as long as they're in office. And I, yeah, we're in good company here. So, there you go. Uh, but from a geographical standpoint, you, you mentioned in the article, uh, improve response times, protect private property and receive greater uh, – That those will receive greater interest. Okay. So how do you propose to un- – you know, kind of facilitate the growth of our police force and first responders in general. And, you know, and that ties really well to the growth of our community. Yeah. Because people are concerned that, one, we don't have enough water, uh, that we're growing at a rate that's not sustainable. Uh, And so there should be uh, a rule in place that we should be looking at our code, looking at our growth model to make sure that when we grow, that we actually have enough water. But what I want to do that's unique is I want to tie our public safety ability to that. 
um, because what good is growing if you don't have the adequate police and fire to be able to sustain that? Correct. And as we're growing, you can see response times are like 20 minutes. When you start looking at property crime, sometimes it's days to be able to address that. Mm-hmm. That has to be a factor in our growth. And I'm not willing to annex another piece of land <laughs> until we absolutely have a rule in place that de- handles those two areas. Mm-hmm. And I'm serious about it. I'm, I'm listening. So, I, And I can see this. As a primary employer, if you're looking at Colorado Springs and you're seeing 20-minute response times on private you know, private property issues or what have you, you're thinking, well, you know, maybe somewhere else. And that's not good for the economy. That's crime. That, those aren't property. Property yeah. are days. Right. The 20-minute response times could be, you know, a, a life-threatening call that's as correct. we're stretching out there. So that should be alarming to people, and that's why we have to make sure – that that is a strategic objective that we can actually use that to look at our growth model. Because, look, I'm I'm for private property rights, but we need to do it the right way. And you also need help. You need help from city council. Absolutely. So city council, you know, they have that land use authority. But I want to send a very clear message that I'm going to be asking some code modifications to make sure that when they're looking at that approval criteria, that that's being taken into consideration. Right on. Well, unpack the, uh, you know, the affordable housing and the homeless discussion as it also relates to our economic development here. You talk about um, eliminating codes that hinder people from using their property to provide shelter. That one in in particular struck out. Unpack that a little bit. Well, when you start thinking about affordable housing, number one, uh, it's not the government's job to create affordable housing. Uh, I think they need to get the government's hand off the scale. One of the things that I want to do from a regulatory standpoint is look at how, how can we get out of your way? Uh, I want to find out how can we maximize your property rights? And that's something that we aren't doing. And I think that you, you hear a lot of people that are talking about, well, let's just keep build. Let's build and they will come. That'll solve our affordability. The government's job should be making sure that the housing is safe. Other than that, it's a market decision, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you start thinking about families, you know, you you have your kids, they grow up, they leave. Right now they're coming back. They're boomeranging back. You have your parents that are coming back. You should have enough flexibility within our code to be able to allow that to happen. So allowing accessory dwelling units, allowing whatever modification, renting out rooms in your home. What I want is the overarching policy for Colorado Springs to get the heck out of the way when it comes to your property rights. If you don't want that, move into a covenant community. (laughs) So you also support partnerships, initiatives, volunteerism designated to improve overall health and wellness, cleanliness, safety and the quality of life here. So that's a big undertaking, man. It really is. But, you know, one of the things that irritates me is our city is dirty. Yeah. It, it, it most comes beautiful down to place it. to live on earth, yeah, but it's a little people, dirty. But, but it comes together. You know, yeah. those things matter to people because if you don't clean things up, one from a safety standpoint, and if you're allowing trash all over your community, that creates a mindset that we don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I want to make sure that we absolutely emphasize that it is a privilege to live here. We want people to come, but if you're going to come here and cause problems, you know, impact people in a negative way, impact our property. Keep on going. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that Colorado Springs has the reputation that don't go to Colorado Springs to mess up. You can go to Colorado Springs to spend your money. But if you mess up, you're going to be held accountable. (laughs) Well, I certainly appreciate that. Well, put a bow on the on the economic development discussion and how we continue to attract uh, primary employers. But that small business component, I want to get into that as well. I think that this is one of the areas that sets me apart from the rest of the candidates, because I am absolutely going to cut off incentives. Uh, when you go in here and 
there's a fundamental principle that I have. It's a privilege to be here. We should not have to pay people to come here. And the fact that we use taxpayer dollars, especially off the backs of small business owners, to bring in employers that are coming in here to put them out of business absolutely doesn't make any sense. And then when you go in there and you look at the memberships mm-hmm. with regard to who's making those decisions, it's the same primary employers that are making the decisions to be able to do that. That's the best shell game out there, and it needs to stop. Very good. Well, listen, man, we're going to shift gears. I want to, I want to dive deeper into the economic discussion. I want to talk about Space Command a little bit. But uh, before we go to the, the final break here, uh, you're driving around <laughs> – what do you call it? The, eco- the ecologically friendly vehicle that you have. Yes. And uh, you are jamming to something uh, that just really puts fuel back in your tank. What is that? Hey, Soul Temple. Trust in God. Trust in God. Okay, man. We're sitting here with Mr. Daryl Glenn, who on any given stoplight, you can find him listening to Soul Temple. Trust in God. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Uh, you can find him online at www.darylglenn for the number four, colorado.com. Give him a ring. Talk about some of these things. Get to know the gentleman a little bit. 719-271-6690. And his email, glencampaign at msn.com. You're listening to True North. I'm Dirk Hobbs, your host. We're back for one more quarter with Mr. Daryl Glenn in just a moment. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. All right, we're back with Mr. Daryl Glenn, who is running for mayor. And you're in the fourth quarter of True North. I'm Dirk Hobbs, your host. You're listening to us on another gorgeous Saturday morning here in Southern Colorado. It is March 18th. And, uh, folks, we've got a big decision to make. Uh, April 4th, you've got your ballots in the mail. Look up and down the ballot. Read the ballot issues as well. And also read and investigate your clients. Uh, it's not just a popularity contest, folks. I get it. I mean, we're all human. We see and we hear uh, and we feel things, but uh, stimulate your mind. Uh, get in there, read what they're proposing to do and how they're proposing to do it. And uh, one of the things we've got to get a handle on is how we're s- spending our money in this town and uh, wrangling in that budget. It's a healthy budget, but nonetheless, uh, you are proposing some cuts that really, you know, we talk about limited government as conservatives, but generally speaking, um, there's a lot of scope creep out there. (laughs) Uh, You're going to put an end to that. Yeah, and that's why I want to be very clear with people. I don't want there to be a surprise on Election Day and then I start roll out some proposed cuts and people like, wow, he was serious. No, I'm telling you exactly (laughs) what I'm going to do. That's right. Listen, (laughs) it's one of those things where our government has grown well beyond. We're doing a lot of nice to do things. Right. And what I want to do is take a look at every single program through the lens of is this going to help us accomplish the goal of being the safest city in the nation? So if you don't fall in that area, automatically you're going to be like, okay, he's going to be looking hard at that. And how do we align that? Mm -hmm. But what I want to do is look at those programs that are best served in the private sector. 
because those should be in the private sectors. One, it creates jobs within the private sector, That's right. but it allows us to reallocate those dollars and invest those into our core, core services. Public safety, our infrastructure. You got to be kidding me. There are so many people that are upset that we have an, a tax for potholes, but there's still potholes. And, and we still need to do a better job with that. And when you start talking about neighborhood parks, some of the older neighborhoods have been left behind. And that's one of these areas that is extremely frustrating when our first that's home true. was near Prospect Lake. And I can tell you right now, I can go over there and some of the roads still look the same. Sidewalks still look the same as when I was a kid. That's unacceptable. So we need to be investing in our infrastructure, into our neighborhood parks, and then allow the private sector to take over some of those nice-to-do programs. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to minimize those, but they're best served in the, in, the, in the private sector. That's right. We need to do that. Well, and I mean, there's a healthy balance between those who won't and those who can't, right? So the entitlement programs. So am I, am I speaking your language there? You absolutely are, because I think that there are a lot of public-private partnerships that are going to go away okay. as far as from a funding standpoint. Right. Uh, because, again, the community can step up in a lot of areas. When we start talking even from a homeless standpoint of what we need to do, I'm going to really define what the city's role needs to be because it's really more of, I call it almost like a point guard, uh, where we have an intake piece because there's a lot of violence in the homeless community and we need to be able to deal with the public safety aspect. But we need to really challenge the private sector to step up and we have to have a point of contact to be able to help transition people into the private sector and with regard to housing, financial assistance. There are agencies out there that can do that. There's a market opportunity right. for private organizations to do that. We need to do that. And that's that's what's going to be different. I appreciate that. Now, you talk about in the last section of your article, you talk about supply chain management and energy. Uh, it's a big conversation here. Obviously, we tore down the Drake plant and uh, we have a new CEO at CSU. Uh, but where, where do you see that discussion going on a local level, Daryl? Well, I spent my military career in acquisition logistics, so Mm -hmm. dealing with supply chain issues, understanding the importance of readiness, and that's something that I want to bring that skill set to the community. I think the dumbest thing that we did was was what we did with Drake. I I want to be very clear uh, that what we should be doing is how do we become more sustainable as a community, be able to have our own energy resources, not eliminating those as an option, Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what our, our competitors want. And, you know, if you don't believe that, you know, there are people that have evil intent for the United States of America, you better wake up. And that's why when we start doing things like that to essentially cut our arm off, despite our faith, that's not that doesn't make any sense. So we need to become more sustainable. We need to absolutely push back against the policies that are coming down from the globally, Mm -hmm. um, from the federal government. We're going to be fighting against Governor Polis, I'm going to tell you, I'll shake hands with him, but we're going to be fighting with him on some of these mandates that are going to be coming down. Right. And I think that we need to exercise our home rule authority. And my loyalty is going to be to this community. And I'm willing to expand our city attorney's office as far as possible. I'm a litigator, too. Let's go. (laughs) But we're not going to allow our sovereignty to be jeopardized here. Gloves are off, shall we say. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, Well, Drake is down. Okay, so where do we go from here? I mean, what's what's the next discussion on the energy front? Well, one, I think we need to look at all options. That absolutely, you know, when you start thinking of what can we do with that one, I'd love to roll that decision back. But if we can't, what can we do? Because that mm-hmm. needs to be the focus. We need to explore every single option when it comes to bringing energy here and look at it through the lens of what can we do as a Colorado Springs community to make sure that we're safe. 
You need to make sure that when you start looking at weaknesses, you know, the grid and what can happen through cyber attacks, those are real. Uh, so we need to make sure that we're investing and building up our infrastructure with regard to those particular areas. Mm-hmm. So I really want to challenge, you know, the city council. And that's why it's so important to make sure that's you right. really scrutinize our city council members that are serve as a board of director. Look, the mayor is an ex officio member. But I want to send a very clear signal that I want us to become as energy independent as we can. I want to make sure that we're doing what's best to stand up for the citizens of Colorado Springs. If there are things that we need to fight for, let me know, because we're going to go fight for that. So that's a big statement. Energy independence at the municipal level. If we can, why okay. not? We're a four service utility. And if we're having problems that, you know, up in uh, up in Denver, well, let's fight them. Yep. Well, uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, – now, one of the discussions is kind of still in limbo out there, Space Command. Uh, this is near and dear to your heart as an ex-serviceman. Um, but tell me, tell me what the discussion needs to be from this point forward to well, making sure that uh, we have a little piece of that pie. Well, you know, I want us to understand and appreciate, you know, our role in the defense of this nation. We have five military installations here. We are the tip of the spear. We have the people that are on the front line. We also have the veterans. We also have the family members here. And so when I'm looking at our capabilities, uh, I believe that this is the logical place for Space Command. When you start thinking about what we've already done to be able to allow the infrastructure to be developed. But I just want to reassure people that we need to make sure that we, we send that message. But even if we lose the headquarters we still have tremendous capabilities that we're going to be responsible for here. And I just want us to understand that we need to embrace our role in the defense of this nation. We also need to embrace our role to be able to be strong for the families that are here supporting those family members and those veterans, Mm -hmm. because I want us to be the center of excellence when it comes to that. There are too many veterans that are here. We want to embrace them and when I think about what COVID has done to demoralize uh, our military, along with all the other social experiments, I want people to know that Colorado Springs is your home. You're the warriors and you're going to be, you're going to have a welcome home here. Well, and I love the fact that uh, your, your message is if you're going to come here, you better behave yourself Uh, because we got, we got places to put you if you don't. (laughs) So absolutely. But I want to give you some uh, unbridled time here to unpack the Daryl Glenn campaign in a nutshell. Uh, But uh, give the people problem or issue solution. Go. Well, Colorado Springs is a beautiful city. And for me, God placed a lot of people in my life uh, that allowed me to be able to essentially, we people talk about the American dream. I'm a, of a living example. Uh, and I am so tired of hearing that we are this racist, sexist, homophobic city. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that God placed in my life came from every walk of life. I Look, I tried hard to bounce outside, outside the rails, and they wouldn't let me. But I want people to understand that I get it. And I've spent over 50 years here and I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about your family. And what I want to do is make sure that you experience what I did. Colorado Springs was safe. I want us to be the safest city in the nation. I also want to make sure that when we start talking about freedom and liberty and being able to make sure you maximize your, your, your personal rights and property rights and business interests, that that's what we actually stand up for. And when I think about the regulations that are absolutely crushing people with with what has happened with COVID and the continued expansion, I want our government to have the smallest footprint possible in your life. Uh, So I want people to understand 
that I need your help and I need you to believe that we can win and believe that we can change things. And when we're working together with that strategic objective, Colorado Springs will be the safest city in the nation. And if you don't like it, keep on going. Keep on going. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've had the privilege of hanging out with Mr. Darrell Glenn, uh, who has lent 21 years of active duty and reserve service here uh, for the United States Air Force. Uh, he's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy, class of 88. And, uh, you know, it's been a privilege listening to you unpack kind of the issue solution type of uh, programs that you have in mind, the relationship with city council, uh, how important that is to really get this job done, because sometimes you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. Amen. And so um, uh, you're a man of God. I appreciate that. You got a beautiful family. And uh, we just again, thank you for your service, uh, both at the uh, municipal level and the county level, but also as, as an airman. I appreciate that. Uh, we've had a great time uh, uh, listening to Mr. Glenn and, and his, um, his insight and outlook on Colorado Springs. Uh, it, it is a strong message. Uh, it is a message of integrity. It's a message of um, self-accountability and responsibility and engagement. And uh, I want to encourage you to read his profile in North, page 24 and 25, and uh, it's it's in the current edition. You can see it at coloradomediagroup.com, and uh, click on the magazine link. You can see it in the most recent edition, the February-March edition with L. Song Richardson, president of Colorado College, on the cover. Uh, great story, uh, great personal story. Appreciate you being here, sir. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're here. Well, this uh, this wraps up True North. Uh, I don't have a song for you this week, but I promise I will next week. Uh, but what I do want to encourage you to do is go out there and enjoy yourself, have some fun. Take a look at Daryl's website, Daryl Glenn, the number four Colorado.com, 719-271-6690. You've been listening to Derek Hobbs and True North here on AM 1460 and 101.1 FM, The Answer. You've been listening to True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.